Howdy, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the Moyes Health Podcast. Welcome to another week. I do hope you're keeping well. And once again, massive thank you for all of your feedback on the previous episodes. Really good to hear that you guys are leveling your dieting deficit lives up and I guess lives in general by uh, following the advice that I try my best to impart in these little bite-sized episodes. So, Today, we're digging into, I guess, the biggest topic of all when it comes to what I do. Why we are overweight. Why we put on the fat in the first place. What the actual root cause of the problem is. So sit back, relax, enjoy your walk, your drive, your run, your cycle, your cleaning, your chilling out, and let's dig into it. So when it comes to my programming, one of the very first things I will analyze and get someone to divulge is how they live their lives. Talk to me about their social routine, their weekends, how they enjoy their evenings, what they do for a living. Uh, And then obviously talking a little bit further about their movements, not those kind of movements, not yet. We're talking about their movements as far as what they do within their lives, as far as what they enjoy doing in their spare time. And that gives me, I guess, a fundamental foundation of behaviors that have led to them being essentially in just a caloric surplus. Because I guess the first thing I should dispel for anybody that is unfamiliar with the science or why we gain weight, it's a surplus of energy. If you have a pint glass and you fill it with a pint and a half of water, then the glass is going to fill up, and then that extra half pint is going to be spilt. In body fat terms, your body stores that half pint in the form of body fat, stored energy which you can use later on in times of famine. When we enter a caloric deficit, in other words, we restrict our calories, our body is forced to tap into its energy reserves therefore facilitating the usage of that stored body fat and therefore reducing our body fat. So essentially, if you are overweight, you are a walking battery. You have a ton of energy stored. And obviously, if that is your goal, we need to focus on using up some of that energy to improve your health and, of course, to reduce the uh, the body fat on your frame to improve your aesthetics physique. So there's the fundamentals. And so what ends up happening is through not burning that many calories through a sedentary lifestyle and, of course, over-consuming, we place ourselves in a caloric surplus. Therefore, we gain that body fat and it's stored. And effectively, what we're trying to do here is reduce that, as I said, for health purposes as well as physical uh, performance purposes, mental health, physical health. Yeah, you, you get my drift. Most of you don't need reminding why you want to kind of control that and why you may very well be on your journeys. So let's get into, I guess, the meat of it. So that's the fundamentals that go on behind the scenes. But what leads us to that is actually a little bit more complex than just you're in a caloric surplus. You know, you've not moved enough, you've eaten too much. Because as much as the more aggressive social figures, influencers would have you suggest that it's it's your fault and you're overweight because of the choices you've made, there's more nuance involved than simply you're making a shit choice because obesity is far more complex than that. And now I'm I'm using the term obesity, right? But 
you know, let's face it, any form where we have gained body fat, you may very well not be obese. I mean, that is a marker used on the BMI scale, which to a certain degree should be taken with a pinch of salt. But I'm using the term obese to generalize having too much body fat. You may very well not be physically classed as obese. You may be just overweight, but I'm going to use that as, I guess, the, uh, the blanket term. Now, obesity, being overweight, excess body fat, etc., doesn't just come in the form of the choices that you make because there's a lot more that has gone into you as an individual than simply stop eating that and move some more because right from birth right from being a baby you are fed and the foods of which you are fed are very much contributed to by the society you live in you know take a child that is living in a rural part of Africa and take a child that is living in Bognor Regis and you've got two very, very different lifestyles and diets from the off. Therefore, our relationship with food and our relationship with calories and therefore our relationship with surpluses, etc., body fat, starts from day dot. The thing that contributes to it is that society, the way that we live. And then obviously that then goes forwards into us as kids and what we're fed from our parents, our lifestyle there. And then obviously that then goes forwards and shapes who we are as teenagers, adolescents, and then of course as adults. And that then governs the um, the life of which we live. To give you a prime example, you rarely ever find overweight children that don't have overweight parents. It's just... Shit rolls downhill, as they say, because we tend to raise our children very similar to how we were raised. That's how, I guess, the parental hierarchy construct works. And so nine nine times out of ten, you are setting the example as the parent for the children that come before you. Monkey see, monkey do. If you are doing something, eating something, behaving a certain way with something, you're going to be influencing them. That can be in a positive way, but it can also be in a negative way. They see you working hard and good work ethic and good balance and looking after yourself, they're going to follow suit. If they see you not looking after yourself, being quite lazy, unmotivated, then that is also going to follow suit as well. So I guess the first thing, if you are a parent or one day wish to become one, recognize that there are eyes on you 24-7 and recognize that who you are is going to shape who your offspring become. Now... The next part I'm going to talk about isn't actually just contributed to as far as uh, you're growing up. Like I said, it's contributed to throughout your life. So I'm going to step away from certain timelines and simply talk about the topics in general. The first biggest problem, aside from what I've mentioned already, is the fact that our society is full of highly palatable foods. It's not very easy to be in a caloric surplus when you are consuming nothing but lean cuts of meat, complex carbohydrates, and a wealth of fruit and vegetables because they are not particularly calorie dense. Some of them are. However, when you are eating a very unprocessed diet, you are getting a large volume of food for not a lot of calories. I guess The best way I could help you guys explain this is look at the animal kingdom. With the exception of animals which are deliberately carrying excess body fat, such as whales, etc. If you look at the mammal kingdom, for example, obesity is not a problem. 
rarely do you see overweight animals in the wild. This is because of, obviously, the availability of food. This is also due to the effort that is required to obtain that food. You know, take a cat, for example, it has to hunt. Whereas if you overfeed your cat or dog, it can very easily get overweight. So think wild animals. Also, animals as we have, have a very, very in-tune mechanism with stopping eating. Even with your cat at home, for example, you'll fill up its bowl and at some point it will stop eating. It won't necessarily consume the entire bowl. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure some of you out there are going to contra that and say you've got the most ravenously hungry moggy in the world. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to get across is that animals have this self-regulation and we have it too. The difference between mammals and us is we have created a society, we have shaped it around us, whereas animals tend to live in the society they are in and they mould themselves to the society, as opposed to, like I said, the other way around. Therefore, when it comes to their diet, we have manipulated foods, we have processed it, we've made things easier to obtain... And so all of these factors are contributing to the fact of we no longer have a diet of lean meats, unprocessed foods, complex carbohydrates and fruit and veg. We have a myriad of different things in there which are highly palatable and densely caloric foods. In the wild, you rarely will find fats and carbohydrates within the same food. Carbohydrates are not bad. Fats are not bad. I must preface what I'm going to say next by saying that first. However, it's the combination of the two that tends to create a highly palatable food. Sugar, for example, is not the, the problem. Fat is not the problem. But when you combine those foods together, you create highly palatable foods such as chocolate, biscuits, and you also create densely caloric foods. It's very, very easy to consume five times your daily recommended caloric allowance when you've got biscuits in front of you. Try and do that with lean cuts of meat, complex carbohydrates, fruits and veg, and you'll find that it's actually pretty tricky. So we, in, our, in and of ourselves, are cheating our own metabolic processes, our own internal regulators, with the foods that we are consuming. You only need to have a look at any takeaway, any fast food place to recognize that there is always this combination of carbs and fats which increases the caloric value of the food and obviously makes it highly palatable. And because it's highly palatable, like I said, you can overconsume it, overconsume on calories. And therefore, that is firstly the societal problem surrounding our diets. Now, I am an advocate for flexibility, yes. I am an advocate for ensuring that you live your life. You know, we are very, very lucky as, as a species. We do eat for enjoyment and for social pleasure outside of just fuel. However, the longer I am in this industry, the longer I am a coach, and the longer I see the trials that people go through, the more I recognize the problem with the Western diet, the more I see where the issue lies as far as our relationship with these foods. Now, that's twofold. One, it is far cheaper and easier to obtain poor choices of food, highly palatable, densely caloric foods, than it is to purchase good quality foods. 
you would quadruple your food bill and some if you were to suddenly switch up your diet and shift away from the fish fingers, the chicken nuggets, the processed stuff, and move entirely over to lean meats, etc. Any of you that have ever tried to or gone and, and bought a lot of food for a barbecue and entertained a decent amount of people and you've bought decent cuts of meat will soon recognize how much that one meal has cost you in comparison to potentially what you would spend hanging around in the frozen food section. So in my mind, this is not a failing on ourselves. This is a failing through government, obviously due to a lack of understanding. Politicians are not nutritionists. But that is where a fundamental issue lies. And taxing sugar, etc., is not the way to solve that problem. The way that we solve and, well, contribute towards or take a step towards solving the obesity epidemic is to make it flip the other way. To reduce the availability and our dependency on highly processed foods and to move us much more towards a generally healthier, less processed diet. The irony behind it is that with veganism and with the general kind of, you know, pescatarianism and the different diets that are out there, which have now become almost cult-like, these diets have their merit because you then end up choosing to not consume those foods based upon either the way that they are made the uh, animals that are harmed in the process of making them or of course the situation of I'm choosing not to consume it because I don't agree with putting that kind of food in my body. Now again there's nothing fundamentally wrong with a chicken nugget. It's about a bigger picture than that which hopefully I'm starting to reveal in this podcast but highly palatable foods and obviously the relationship between the cost of those and the cost of the lean meat is a problem. It's very, very difficult to shift your diet over to something which is going to serve you better. And that's why, again, I continue to coach the way that I do because balance does need to be there. And don't get me wrong, I am the biggest fan and advocate for pizzas and takeaways and McDonald's. I love those kind of foods. We all do. That's kind of the point. And that's what the companies know, which I'll get to in a second. And so... It's up to us to self-regulate. And as is so often the case, we do need sometimes some help to save us from ourselves. And I think that's where government's failing potentially comes in. Which brings me on to my next point, which is the marketing of these foods. The subconscious kind of marketing in terms of the signage we see at bus stops as we drive around or on buses, the adverts we get given to us on our phones or on social media, on the television, for example, the brightly lit signs as we drive around seeing the golden arches, all of these different things, all of the, the packets that we see as we walk into supermarkets, no longer does the fruit and veg section with all of its color appeal to us. No longer does walking down uh, the meat aisle and looking at a really juicy steak appeal to us when we are faced with the brightly colored packaging and the very, very manipulative psychological marketing which is involved when it comes to the processed foods. And so there is a fundamental issue there. You've only got to look at the foods of which we have in our cupboards and look at the the, the packaging and actually zero in on it a little bit more to really kind of see past the marketing and see what the companies are trying to do 
high in protein, low in saturated fats, or high in calcium. All of these foods are trying to get us to purchase them by masking the, the wolf that is in the sheep's clothing. <clears throat> but in actual fact, they may very well be slightly higher in protein. They may very well be a good source of vitamin C. But what that's missing is the fundamental issue, as I alluded to in the very beginning, and that is calories. You can wrap it up in any shape or form of, you know, oh, it's got more protein, it's got more vitamin C, it's got more calcium, etc. But at the end of the day, calories are king. And your health, your mobility, your confidence, mental health, everything, the, the leading factor behind that is calories. Sort your calories out and a myriad of different problems automatically resolve themselves. But these packets, this packaging is trying to appeal to those that are trying to make some changes, but you're getting suckered in to the marketing and to the spiel, which is highlighting the amazement and the look at what, you know, look how good this food could be if you introduce it into your diet, but it's causing us to miss the wood through the trees. As I said, beware the wolf in sheep's clothing. And that brings me on to the next point, which is a lack of education. We all kind of fundamentally, I guess, in the back of our minds, know calories in, calories out. Yet, because of the way the world is, because of you know the way that we are spoken to, marketed to in particular, we disregard that fundamental fact. That fundamental fact is like gravity. It is a constant in physics, yet we disregard it, which, like I said, would be like disregarding gravity. And instead, we're led by these pseudo-diets and these cleverly marketed programs etc and the free foods and the things of which we can do to lose weight you know strap this device onto you and it will jiggle you thin or consume this shake or pop this pill or do this exercise the fundamental remains the same it is calories and as much as movement is a key factor and I'll get to that shortly the biggest area of change that needs to happen is in the choices we're making as far as our diet is concerned. Fundamentally, there are no good or bad foods. However, there are foods you can overconsume, and you can overconsume on them because they're highly palatable. As I said, try and overconsume on salad and veg and achieve your daily caloric allowance. You're going to really fucking struggle. And again, they're not as palatable. Of course they're not. But before I carry on, with the education side of things, I think it's important to discuss that if we remove those highly palatable foods from our diet, which can often be seen as restriction, I mean, I'm very, very cautious to say to someone, cut that food out, because I'm not a proponent for cutting foods out in a, in a grander scheme of things. That, you know, demonizing food is not something I believe in, because you know, if I say to you right now, don't think about sheep, what are you thinking about? There's a fucking sheep in your head. But my point is that Rather than going with the mentality of cutting foods out and someone telling you to cut it out, it's far more appropriate to make the choice, to make a decision to go, no, I, I know how that food makes me feel. When I consume chocolate, I want more chocolate. When I consume biscuits, I want more biscuits. When I eat these foods, when I have these sugary, highly palatable snacks, it makes me want more. And there almost does need to be a weaning off of these foods and a complete kind of reset as far as what a normal diet looks like. Still an advocate for takeaways, still an advocate for chocolate, for crisps, 
you know, all of these foods. Believe me, I'm a real person. But the moderation of them needs to be key. They have become the staple within our diet of which we occasionally chuck some veg in. We occasionally consume some lean meats. We occasionally have some complex carbohydrates, but the majority of our diet is made up of the thing that should be the, what's the opposite of majority? Minority of our diet. Those foods should be in it, yes, 100%, but they certainly shouldn't be the core of what we consume. And then the additional, oh, fuck it, I probably should have a salad happens from time to time. The majority of our diet in an ideal sense should be, as I said, lean meats, complex carbs, salad and veg and fruit. But obviously, as I said, there are obstacles as we've touched on already. But I do believe that a lack of education is a big fundamental part of this as well. Schools are not educating kids. It's it's the confusion. You know, I've, I've originally put this as two topics, but in actual fact, it's one. We're easily led by the pseudo social marketing, etc. But also the lack of education around the simplicity of it we've almost become a society that doesn't believe it can be as simple as calories in calories out but it is that fact was fundamentally solidified years ago yet we still get misled by oh this device could work wonders for me that could be the the silver bullet you know we're constantly searching for the uh, the holy grail what is the thing that i need what is that silver bullet for me which is finally going to crack this and there is no silver bullet the fundamental fix for all of this comes in the form of education being more aware of what you're doing and understanding what you are consuming and why you are consuming it which finally brings me over to movement now don't get me wrong in, in terms of what you consume it is important to really understand that consumption is key that is the biggest part of this that is kind of the the offers the most bang for your buck as far as controlling your intake and being more well achieving what you want to achieve but movement plays a factor because our society nowadays the social construct has shifted if you look at the devices we have on us now, our phones, our iPads, we have our Netflix, our Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, our Sky, all of these streaming services, our entire lives are revolved around the sedentary, the digital. Our entire lives are no longer the active lives they used to be. Look at what kids do. You know, they give you all the clues you could possibly need. Kids want to stay in. They want to play video games. They want to watch TV. They're not interested in going out and playing with their mates anywhere near as much as they used to be. Climbing trees, swimming in the sea, these kind of things. And look at us. We get in from work and instead of spending time conversing and moving around and having discussions about the day and debate. You know, God forbid you have a debate nowadays. That's a whole different podcast I could get into. God forbid your opinion differs from somebody else's. Jesus. But if you look at the way that we live... We get in and we can't wait to continue to binge on our latest series, A Sedentary Evening. And if you're an office worker, for example, and your job is sedentary, then that's going to royally fuck you when it comes to your daily caloric burn. Don't get me wrong, again, real world human being, love my series and love being sedentary, love that chill out time in the evening. 
But the problem is when that becomes what you do the majority of the time, it becomes a problem. If you look at your life and I was to ask you the question, what position do you spend most of your life in? If you said sedentary because you spend most of your time on your phone or watching TV, therein lies a fundamental issue. And then obviously, before we even kind of dig into the details of, um, uh, of you know, of, of anything else, you've got to look at the fact of it's never been easier to obtain the highly palatable foods I spoke about earlier. Only yesterday did I have a, cons- a consultation with a new client and I we were talking about... You know, her lifestyle, as I said, when I began this podcast, I get to know kind of how someone lives. And she mentioned about all of the food delivery apps she had on her phone. So the first thing I got her to do was was delete them. That isn't the case to say that she can't order off of Just Eat or Deliveroo, but don't make it easy. If you are proactively going, we're going to have a takeaway on Saturday night, then download the fucking app on Saturday. Order the food, wait for it to be delivered, and then delete the fucking app again. The problem is, if you have these things set up, then it's too easy. Plus, those apps will give you notifications to remind you how much you like highly palatable food and will make you order with little incentives with discount codes, etc. Again, the marketing is ridiculously manipulative. Do not think for a second that behind all of the marketing you are given on your phone, social media, TV, society... All of it has a very, very clever team of psychologists behind it, leading you to make decisions based upon what you're seeing, the colors of what you're seeing, the construct. They know what makes you tick and they are going to continue to gather that information by your order pattern. Do you not think that when that notification pops up and people order, they're not analyzing that data going, oh, that worked, we'll use that again in the future. With every person that orders, with every time you order, you are giving more and more information and therefore making it much, much easier for these companies to be able to manipulate you. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, this podcast is all about why are we overweight? Why have we found ourselves in this position? And yes, individually we have made poor choices, but those poor choices are not of our own making. A lot of them are, yes. And we have the power and we must take that power to change the way that we live. To really become being more self-aware, being more mindful of the choices we're making and how we are being manipulated. Our government at this moment in time is not necessarily working hard enough, smart enough or fast enough to save us from ourselves. And so we must do it. Not in a restrictive way, not in a demonization way, because I still want you to live. I still want to live. I still want to relax and enjoy, and I still want to have every food across the food spectrum in my diet. But something's got to shift. The cost of living, the cost of eating is not always possible for the majority of us, myself included, to have a completely healthy diet. But there will be some swaps that you can make in there, some changes that you can make. When it comes to your movement, there will be some changes you can make there too. Maybe get out a little bit more the weekends. Maybe don't spend as much time on Netflix. Note that your television doesn't have a screen time counter, but your phone does. Delete the apps on your phone. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. 
Remove the food delivery apps. Remove things which are causing you to make poor choices. When it comes to your food shopping, go into the supermarket and don't go down the first aisle. Because a lot of time the first aisle is designed to manipulate you too. Go in with a plan. Have a list. Really sit down and think about it when you're not hungry, might I add. Educate yourself. Really become aware of the caloric content of food. Become aware of of that. If you know, above all else, for the time being, fuck protein, fuck fats, saturated fats, fiber, sod all of that. Focus on calories. That is the fundamental issue. Focus on getting the most amount of food, volume that is, you know, the big most amount of food for the lowest amount of calories. And focus on re-establishing a balance with the fast foods, with the highly palatable stuff. Fucking enjoy it. Enjoy it every day to a certain degree. But shift it so that that's not the staple of your diet. And of course, like I said, move more. Focus on looking at your life and manipulating things to just be more active. Wash the car once a week. Mow the lawn yourself more often. Hell, from previous episodes, if you listen to it, I could tell you this. A, mow, a lawn likes being mowed more often, by the way. Doesn't like occasional mowing. So a little, little extra bit for you there. Don't mow it really short in the hope that you don't have to mow it as often because it doesn't work that way. You mow it really short and it will grow quicker. So regular mowing, trust me, you'll end up with a nicer, thicker lawn. Anyways, you can have that one for free. So, folks, there we go. Slightly longer podcast than normal, but I do hope a lot that you can take away from and a podcast that I really want you to share. Click it, share it on social media. It would mean the world to look on my timeline and see so many people sharing this podcast because this is the information that needs to be out there. As I said, we uh, no one's coming to save us. We must save ourselves and we must really take charge of our own lives and our own minds and make choices free from the manipulation of the companies, the marketing, etc. So, as always, accept the things of which you cannot change. Can't change the fact that food costs you know more to eat healthy than it does to eat shit. But accept the things of which you can change. Or have the courage to change the things you can, I should have said. And, of course, have the wisdom to know the difference between those two. Massive thank you for tuning in. As always, review on Apple Podcasts, rate on Spotify, uh, and drop me a message on uh, on Instagram, at Chris Moyes. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know the changes you're going to make in your life. And guys and girls, I will see you on the next one. Toodles. <laughs>